0: Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Hi, Rory.
1: Hey, Paul. It is great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity, man.
0: I'm glad you're back this week to talk about coaching and talk about how it can impact people's lives. Um I always ask this question, why are you so geeked up about (laughs) coaching?
1: I just love it because, you know, it's one of those things. Like if you find the, uh, the magic diet formula, you find that, oh. that one way that just it works and uh, you see success with it and it transforms people's lives and it transforms organizations, then you become like an apostle for it. And so you can almost, I can almost be the coaching apostle, uh, out there preaching the benefits of coaching people and leading that reg- and leading in that regard. That, that's excellent
0: because, um, last week, And this week, Mm -hmm. we're sharing your conversation with Dan Rockwell, Mm -hmm. the leadership freak. Exactly. So it's kind of a freaks and geeks episode. (laughs) Did you see that coming a mile away?
1: I loved (laughs) it. I loved it. Yeah, I I saw that. I could see that train coming down the track. Very straight, long, narrow track. (laughs) Right. So no curves there.
0: So great, great episode uh, Mm -hmm. last time. Uh, What do you guys talk about this time?
1: Uh, We talked uh, a a couple of things where he had uh, on his blog some concepts and ideas he had. But one of the ideas I thought was very, very powerful and very important is how to stand behind your people when they screw up Mm -hmm. and, you know, should you do that and and the process and the mindset of that. And, uh, you know, how do you protect your folks? Because I think that's one of the measures of a great leader. When I wrote the book, uh, My Best Boss Ever, uh, there were a number of stories in there behind of people who uh, their boss stood behind them when they messed up. They stood behind them and believed in them when they clearly were not living up to their potential. But this individual saw their potential, saw that they could do this, Stood behind them and then got an employee that was remarkable. Um, it's kind of like the great story about David and, and, uh, and how David, Michelangelo created David out of the marble. Hmm. Uh, he got this piece of marble that was really actually a, a castaway piece of marble that was 16 feet or 18 feet tall. And uh, nobody wanted to use it. Actually had a hole drilled through it. They chipped away at it. I mean, it was, it was a mess. Um, but yet he thought it was just a, a magnificent piece of marble. And so he decided to take that, look at it, work on it, and, uh, and then made it turn it into David. And so I think that's what great leaders do is they take what appears to be a cast off from someone else. And, uh, you know, a mistaken piece of marble, they can uh,
0: see the artwork in it, but
1: they can see yeah. the David and, and that's the magic. That's where, that's where leadership becomes an art rather than just a skill.
0: That's exciting. Yeah.
1: And when people do that, that, that's just transformative. And I love that concept of, of folks and, and Dan Rockwell helps people find uh, the David. Excellent. All right. So, here's
0: your uh, conversation with Dan Rockwell, the leadership
2: freak. Good morning. We're here with Dan Rockwell, Leadership Coach, aka the Leadership Freak, author of the Leadership Freak blog. He has over 450,000 leadership followers on his blog. He's the number one socially, the number one most socially shared leadership blog on the internet. Inc. Magazine has him as a top 50 leadership expert, and the American Management Association has him as a top 30 leadership expert. So Dan, it is my pleasure to have you here this morning. Thanks for joining us.
3: Well, Rory, after that introduction, we must be
2: done because I don't know if we can go anywhere but down from that. Holy cow. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to go up. I know you. It is a line straight up on that that curve. So I I, I love your blog. I love your blog. And one of the things that that you talk about here is how to stand up with people when they screw up. And I just think that's such an important key in standing by your folks. And so what are some of your key factors of standing behind folks uh when they screw up?
3: Well, first of all, people need to be screwing up. If they're not screwing up, they're not trying hard enough. People aren't, mm. you know, stepping into the unknown. They're not uh they're not trying new things. I mean, if everybody is 100% all the time, then uh, you're you're functioning well below your potential. And I don't know about you, you probably work with you know, scientists and engineers and consultants and they're like paid to be right and the thought that they're wrong sends them into apoplexy. And, and, and so it's, <laughs> I think one of the things to do as a leader is to uh, tell your own stories about failures and what you learn from failure. Don't, don't whine and moan like you know, about your failures, but you know, hey man, when I was uh, this, uh, you know, this happened to me and all of a sudden I learned that I needed to talk less and listen more and you know, things like that, you know, you, Share your, you can share your own stories and make the idea of responsible failure a little more acceptable.
2: I'm glad you mentioned the concept of responsible failure because you are like a mind reader. That was exactly my next question. Tell me a little bit about responsible failure because there are folks out there who celebrate failure and they almost put it on you know, fireworks kind of display about failure. And You talk about responsible failure. Give me the distinction there.
3: Well, I'm not excited about irresponsible failure. That means I waited too long to prepare or get my work done. That means that I really didn't give my best. That means that I didn't explore other options. It means, you know, I I didn't include others what I should have. I'm not a fan of irresponsible failure. That kind of failure needs to be confronted and challenged and changed. Responsible failure is you have a, a, a person who has come up to a situation, and they're uh, giving uh, maximum effort. They're working hard. They're not slacking. This You know, low effort is not an option. I think, um, you know, responsible failure is you know what you were trying to achieve. You weren't just wandering around whacking at the bushes. Um, you know, so I, I just think, like, uh, uh, I'll tell you where this comes from. I was asked uh, several years ago um, at a thing I was speaking at, you know, how do you – How do you let people fail? And all of a sudden, I realized, you know, there's this great discomfort, and I don't blame people because failure can be expensive. Failure can be time-consuming. Failure can be discouraging. So I started thinking about let's celebrate responsible failure, and let's confront irresponsible uh, failure.
2: Mm, I, I love that. I absolutely love that. And the other thing is you go on from that. Once you go into your blog, you go from responsible failure, but the, you go on, the next point is to focus on learning. And so take me through that process. How would you coach a leader or a manager on going from that next step?
3: Yeah, well, you know, Carol DeWitt's book, uh, uh, Growth Mindset, you know, the mindset book, uh, right. that's just so good, you know, this growth mindset thing. And, and I, I think this is where this comes from. So the question about, you know, when failure happens, how you respond to it is really going to be the determining factor on whether the person will have courage to reach out again or to stretch themselves again. If you beat them up, if you, you know, that kind of stuff, then they're they're going to pull back and play it safe. So the question, uh, what are you learning, is such a powerful question. So when someone comes up in, in, in with a failure, the question, what are you learning, opens the door. And I like to use learning, not what did you learn? What, what have you learned? Because learn feels final. Learning feels like you're, it's ongoing. Jack Welch, uh, I asked Jack Welch in uh, New York City a few years ago about a pivotal moment in his career. And he said it was the time I blew up a, a uh, plastics plant in uh, in Massachusetts. And uh, what happened, you know, well, i, I won't tell the whole story. Let me just say that. Um, he ended up in his boss's boss's office, and he'd driven a hundred miles the next day to go to connecticut and in that office he didn't know for sure if he had a job or not. no one was killed uh you know blew the roof off this building um and it was after work hours he said I was in at my office and glass was all over the place and all this, but anyway, he said, "I went into my boss's boss's office and and we we chatted briefly and then that man looked at me and he said, well, Jack, what are you what are you learning? And he said, I learned that don't kick people when they're down. Um, and, of course, we all know Jack spent his entire career at GE. That's where he was. Right. And uh, it, it was just a powerful tipping point for him.
2: Mm, excellent. Love it. Absolutely love it. And then um, you also, you say that the final step is expect capable people to remedy their screw-ups. How do you help them do that?
3: All right, so look that so many people are compassionate to a fault i'm and I know this sounds terrible to say, right, but y you, you we help too quickly and and that's not a good thing you know so if, think about a five year old learning to tie their shoe and and you know they mom or dad sees them struggling, and then they they reach in to help them, and so often what would a little five year old say I can do it myself and and we need to let people work through their struggles. Uh, be available, be, be nearby, but don't meddle. And, and then here's what happens. Little Mary or little Johnny is t- trying to tie their shoe, and they struggle with it for a while, and they finally they get discouraged, and they come and see mom and dad. Mom and dad helps them, and they have success. The person who was at one point an irritation is now a hero. So if you can let people struggle a little bit, then you, you help them, and then they look at you like, oh, thank you so much. So don't yeah, help I, I, too soon be available.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I, I love that. And the the questions you did on the blog, I think these are great coaching questions. And, and I just want you to exp- – I'll, uh, I'll give you the two questions there because I just loved them and then have you expand kind of the, the mindset on them. Um, you said, okay, what are you going to do to correct the failure, assuming there's obviously an option to correct it at that point? And then the other question you asked her, what are you going to do differently next time? And that is the question – just give me some mindset thoughts on that. I think those are great questions for coaches to ask and managers to ask their employees when a when a screw-up happens. But give me some mindset thoughts, background on that, if you could, please.
3: Sure. Um, uh, first of all, the pronoun is you, and uh, this is important. Don't say we if you don't mean we. Mm. Um, I, I, I think this is a mistake for leaders. You know, we're going to do this when they really mean you're going to do it. And just right. have the courage to say you. So um, it, when it comes to failure, if you're not going to – if you expect them to remedy the problem that they created, and by the way, that to me is, again, be helpful, be encouraging, be available, but don't fix everybody's problem for them. So uh, what do you want to do about it? And this is an opportunity – as a coach, you would you would do this, right? So they would say, well, I'm, I'm going to do this or that. And then you might say, well, what other options are there Or and what else? and you generate 3 or 4 uh, potential and all you need is is 3 or 4 you generate 3 or 4 potential solutions and then you ask them well which one would you like to would you like to try and i like the idea of like to try yoda says there is no try you know only do uh right. i like the idea of try because try says there's, there's no guarantee of success and if you don't get all the way we're going to keep trying so and when you say to someone, which would you like to try, it puts them in a position of power. And I love people to feel powerful. So, because they're making a choice. So as long as they don't choose something that's going to cause harm, as long as it's, you feel like it's going to move the ball in the direction it needs to go, then let, you know, give the option to make a choice and let them make a choice and then say, hey, next week, come back, let's talk about, you know, what you did, how it worked, what did you learn, what do you want to do next time kind of thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely love it. I love it. And, and also on that blog, uh, we probably won't talk about this a lot. I'll just ask you one question. Uh, you mentioned the leadership lessons of the dancing guy, and I love that video, and I love sharing it with my, my clients and, and have had that environment happen in a number of my clients that I've worked with. You know, What's the one lesson you learned from the, the leadership lessons of the dancing guy video? And if folks haven't ever watched it, I encourage them to watch it. But what's your, your one lesson you learned from that video?
3: Yeah, you got to go first, but then, you know, it's the person who, as you know, that follows first, that goes second, that uh-huh. seems to add some credibility there. So um, it's celebrate these people that come along to you and, and they're willing to uh, respect your leadership, to be, you know, part of the team. Um, just encourage them because people look, so, you know, social confirmation is so powerful. And so I think about, like, well, you know, how come Leadership Freak is getting me opportunities?
2: Well, in the end,
3: I was at a, I was speaking somewhere uh, last year. Someone said, I was going around meeting people, and the, and the person said, what gives you the right to be here and speak? And that's the first time anybody <laughs> ever has, asked me that question. It's a great question. And I thought about it for a minute, and I looked her in the eye, and I said, social confirmation. Mm. So other people think I have something to offer. So, the dancing guy video, of course, leaders model the way they go first, but the power of social confirmation or the confirmation of others can't be undervalued.
2: yeah, and, and I agree with you completely. If there's one lesson I have that I share with my clients on that is exactly that point it's it's not the guy that was the first dancing person, it's the person that joined, and then you that when that second person joined, then they started to get other people to join. And I think it, it's almost that when as you said that, I wanted to, I want to use the term second is best uh, because once you have that other mm-hmm. person following you start to get a movement and then voila they got a movement. And the the other thing I wanted to ask about in this podcast was how to coach uh, your how to coach your leader, how to coach your manager. I get that question so many times and I'm sure you do too. And uh you you have a, an entire blog on learning to lead leaders and you gave a whole host of suggestions on that. So what do you suggest when people come to you and say, hey, how do I coach my manager? How do I coach my boss? How do I coach up? What are some suggestions that, uh, that you do on those scenarios? Cause that's always a big question I get. And, and I want to ask you first off, do you get that question a lot? Cause I do. And then how do you walk them through that?
3: I do get that question a lot. And, uh, you know, my first response is very carefully. <laughs> <laughs>
2: To use that. I, I do get into that point, but I don't say that first. But that's a good point. Yeah,
3: yeah. Very carefully. You know, the other thing that I like to I like to have people uh, reflect on themselves a bit sometimes too, because sometimes what we really are trying to do is to change people and you know make our own lives better. And mm. um, you know, I I I think a, a boss or a leader would maybe be a little resistant to that. I think if you're committed to what's best for them, um, then then you have a, a better door. And I got to say this carefully because um, you, you, it's not you can't be arrogant about what's best for them. It means you got to know their goals and what they're all about and their strengths and how can you if you're going to give feedback or coaching to your boss or your leader, you need to know where they want to go. So right. uh, if you don't know where they want to go and you're giving them, you know, suggestions or advice or coaching or whatever, and you're trying to take them off in another direction, you're just going to get resistance.
2: Mm. And so really you're saying there, you know, if you're going to do that, develop a whole host of questions to understand them more effectively, to give some background and a, a prism to look at this issue that you're trying to address.
3: Yeah, so got I, a bit I, more I want here. to know. Yeah, I want to know what's important to you. When you, when you coach people, the co mm-hmm. the person being coached is the one who sets the direction. You bet. Uh, you, you know, you, you know, they're, they're the, they're in charge. And, and uh, I think in the idea of coaching up, we should embrace this as well. So, you know, knowing what the leader is all about and, and asking those questions. Does your leader want a promotion? You know, or, mm-hmm. or, uh, You know, does your leader want to expand the business? And so now you can uh, begin to tailor your response. So I think asking questions over the long haul, not just in one moment, but just staying in tune with the heart of your leader by, you know, being curious about who they are and what they're all about, what their strengths are. And maybe even, you know, one day you're walking down the hall and you say, what are some of the biggest struggles you have? Now, granted, your leader may not be totally candid with that, right? They may need to, you know, they don't want to say, my biggest problem is Mary Jo over there, you know. So, uh, you know, but still you want to show some gentle interest and and create a connection. And the other thing, I think, is to have a big picture uh, perspective. If you're an employee who has a very narrow approach to work, in other words, it's all about you and what you're doing, your boss is not going to be that interested in what you have to say. But if, you th- if you're if you constantly thinking about what's best for the organization, what's best for the leader, what's best for your team, now you're earning a platform where you can then offer suggestions, ask questions, um, you know, even, uh, you know, with permission, say, you know, I wonder if I could give you some perspective on this or a different perspective, without obligation, of course. But, but uh, you know, then you have the platform.
2: Yeah, and I think that's such a, a powerful concept is is you've got to, if you're going to coach up, you've got to use the coaching model. And what you basically said is, excuse me, you've got to ask questions. You know, what's your perception? Where are you going here? What's your goal? What's your vision? What do you want to accomplish? How, you know, how do you want this to end? And then if there's something about that particular component that you're focused on that you could add value and say, hey, I think we'll get to your vision quicker, with this, I've had some people share this with me, and, and give me your thoughts there. Rather than blaming them or accusing them, but say, you know, they, they said this was the behavior they observed. What would you, you know, what would you say to that, or what's your perception of that? Because they may have a very good reason for it. That we're, it's one of our blind spots. We don't, they know, but we don't know, and it could be a, an issue we're not aware of. Very good. Exactly.
3: There's a huge difference between walking in and saying, "I think you should." <laughs> Not really knowing where they want to go and what they're all about, or, or knowing what they're all about and then saying, I, "This might be helpful. Let me ask a question or two, or let me make a suggestion."
2: Mm-hmm. But I, but I think if you come from a perspective of asking questions and, and getting a sense of them, and I, I love that concept of honoring, you know, them as a person and honoring their position because they've obviously earned the right to be there. And in most cases, we all have bosses. We go, well, "How do they get there? and How do they stay That's there?" But that's a, that's a whole different podcast, but, but, but honor that. And, and then to ask questions in a way, I, I love your approach to that. Find out where they're coming from, how's that working, and, and that process. And I, I think that's one of the biggest questions I get for people is, you know, how do I coach up? And, if you come, and I also tell them, too, come from a kind heart. Uh, your boss will recognize that if you're just trying to change them for your benefit, as you mentioned earlier, but if you come from a kind heart, they recognize that, too.
3: Mm, so powerful. Listen, if you're having a conversation with someone and the, and the barrier goes up, you're probably being pushy. You're, you may have, you know, they may have sensed an agenda. You know, they may have sensed that you're not really that concerned about their welfare. You're concerned more about your welfare. So, the kindness idea is so so powerful.
2: Yeah, it's just such an important key. And when I and it also helps them you talk them off the ledge there because. Typically, when they go to their boss, they want to. By God, you need to fix this. And you know that's such a challenging, uh, challenging thing to do is is to walk into an office and say you got to do this. Um, so, any last uh, ideas or thoughts on coaching up or coaching leaders or learning to lead leaders? Any any final thoughts on that process?
3: Yeah, coaching up. If you don't get what you want, how you respond to that is going to open the door for the next situation. So. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, you're in there, you're having this conversation, and, uh, you, you, you know, you, you, you have something in mind. It's probably not pure coaching, right? It's probably, you know, let's explore issues or whatever. But anyway, you don't get what you want. That's when you grab an oar and you roll like it was your own idea anyway. If you don't do that, the next time something comes up, no one wants to hear what you have to say.
2: Yeah, and, uh, uh I think the great what you're really saying there is the great paradox of, of, of listening. The more you listen, the more you heard, and uh, and that's really what I hear you mm-hmm. saying there. I just think that's a great point, Dan. I cannot say thank you enough for your time today. Fantastic ideas, fantastic suggestions for the podcast. And I just want is that and your podcast again is uh, or or your your uh, blog is. How do people get a hold of you if they wanted you to speak for them or to uh, uh, to, to speak at their conferences? How do they get a hold of you?
3: Right. Uh, well, the blog is leadershipfreak.blog. Leadership uh, my email is dan at leadershipfreak.com. And uh, just, uh, just drop a note. Uh, I have to tell you, it's, it's such a, so exciting, Rory, to be you know here. Coaching for potential is such a powerful idea. And you know, if I can be a little uh, help to that, a little bit of uh, value for you, I'm just excited that, that, that that's the case.
2: Well, you've done more than that, my friend. I cannot say thank you enough. I appreciate you being here today.
1: Thank you. So that was our conversation with Dan Rockwell, the leadership freak, and uh, how to stand behind your people. He just does a great job with his blog. He's got like over 400,000 followers, and he's just done a great job uh, sharing leadership concepts with people all over the world. He does keynotes. He does leadership uh, lectures, and he's just terrific. And I just cannot say thank him enough for his time yeah. to, to talk to me. How can people get a hold of Dan? Uh, Well, they can just go to the leadership freak. The leadership freak website uh they just go if they do a google search for dan rockwell leadership freak boom it'll come right up okay and he's just got tons and tons of uh, of information out there i think it's just absolutely terrific and the other thing is too uh they can also uh, just you know just do a google search for dan mm-hmm. so it's and, easy
0: and if people want to get a hold of you to find out how you um mm-hmm. help people with coaching
1: absolutely you- uh, my website's roy com. that's r-o-r-y-r-o-w-l-a-n-d.com and they can uh, look me up there and get a hold of me and I'll be happy to help. All right. Thank you, Rory. Thank you, my friend.
0: Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Roland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Voda and Rory Roland. For more information and content, visit RoryRoland.com.